Hello and welcome to episode 63 of the MGG Conflux cast. My name is John and I'm joined by my co-host Chris hey. and Steven. Hey guys. This week we're going to be talking about Mythic Champs 4 and the accompanying GP in Barcelona, as well as SCG Modern Open and accompanying classic Columbus. Um, but before we get into that and all the sweet data we have for you, we've got our weekly roundup. We talk about which decks we've been playing, what we've played against in the last two weeks. Uh, Chris, let's start with you. Well, uh, the last two weeks of FNM, I played Blue Red Swans. Wow. I went uh, a little bit of a throwback there on, on that one. Blast from the past. Um, not exactly sure what possessed me to, to break out Swans again, but I did. I guess with all the snow hype going around, I figured I'd go ahead and see if my own snow deck. But um, get a sweet new addition too, right? Yeah, so Arkham's Astrolabe is uh, very good with the Swans deck. Uh, in the past, we've always t- talked about how the mana is very bad, and one of the limiting factors to the deck actually being good. And Astrolabe helps a lot in that department. So, in your um, very he- basic, heavy, cryptic command slash anger of the gods deck, <laughs> it's quite nice. Also, Prismatic Vista. Prismatic Vista also just also uh, a very big uh, in- include because. The majority of the time, you are fetching basics anyway. And now, with all these um, fetches and ash slaves, the deck can go down to only one Steam Vents. Yeah, the worst card in the deck. Yeah, worst <laughs> land in the deck. Worst card. I'm, I'm just throwing it out. Worst card in the deck in the 75. Yeah, it's, it's, it's never the card you want. But sometimes <laughs> it's the card you need. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you've uh, you got another uh, even newer edition, right? Uh, from M20. Oh, yeah. So, um, thanks to Kevin, he decided that we needed to try playing uh, Mu Yanling, the new three mana planeswalker from 2020. I got absolutely wrecked by this card in the mirror that we played. Yes, we played the Swan's Mirror, and it was awful. <laughs> I, yeah, I played it. It's bad. I hate mirrors in general. I just don't really enjoy playing mirrors in general. And I think that has largely to do with decks that I play are just. They just always have miserable mirrors. Yeah. Like, the Swan's Mirror is literally the worst. The Amulet Mirror sucks Big Dong, too. <laughs> and most of whatever else I play, if I played a mirror, I would have to question my opponent as to what had gone wrong in their lives. The 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 Tron... Or sorry, the Tron. The, uh, the Amulet Mirror is, is about who can go faster, right? Mostly? It's about who played a Titan first. Yeah. And it's incredibly boring, and so the like ambulance are really fun deck to play because it's very interesting. There's a lot of lines you can take, and it's kind of a puzzle. In the mirror, there's absolutely nothing interesting you need to think about at all ever. It's do you whoever plays the titan? Oh, you cast a titan for me. All right, I'm, I'm dead. Yeah. I play then, a titan first. GG. Get get wrecked. But but swans, it's not. It's not like that at all. It's because the swan, like whoever plays the swan first, like. Not always relevant. <laughs> it's super awkward because <laughs> you really want the swan to resolve. So it's kind of hard to make your swan resolve when it costs four fucking mana to play your swan. Right? Counter magic is way cheaper than the yeah. four mana swan is. And we're playing for uh, force of negation as well, but that doesn't help you resolve your swan. <laughs> so yeah. there's this really weird, like... And so if you play a swan... They can just spread your swan to draw a bunch of cards. So they'll get all the card advantage off of zero mana investment, basically. Right? Uh, it's not, it's not their swan, it's, it's our swan. Which is a disaster. That's what I was, about to, what I was about to ask. Don't you just like 
would you kind of want somebody to resolve a swan so you can start shooting screds at it? But the but the other problem is that once swan's in play, it's you can't remove it because you right. can't kill it with the burn spells. So right. it's it's just it's like, like it's, it's like a like shit true show. nemesis. It's, it's like a, a true nemesis that it's for four every turn. <laughs> <laughs> it's the fucking worst. You so, can't get rid of it. Mu Yanling was insane in the mirror because it makes a 4-4 that I can't draw a bunch of cards off of. So it turns on his stubborn dial. I don't get to get any benefit from blasting it. And when I tap and play my own swan, if he just pluses on the swan, not only does it lose flying, <laughs> it's also a 2-3 now. So it turns off my stubborn denials. So I can't block his bird. I can't stub anything. So it's like, it's a disaster. And if I try to draw cards off of my swan, he can just throw the same thing off of my swan too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, before you draw those cards, I'm going to draw some cards. Uh, uh, I'm going to fight spell. over your spread. Okay, stubborn and all yours. Like, damn. <laughs> damn. <laughs> you got it. Oh, uh, God. So that what was a, a disaster. What a fucking mirror. Uh, so I went 3-1 that week, only losing the mirror. <laughs> I will say, both times I played Swans, in round 4, I played against uh, the same humans player, the poor guy. I always play him in round 4, and I'm always usually playing something that just takes a dunk on, just dunks on humans. <laughs> yeah. Because you're just, uh, you're so just mean. Yeah. Yeah, so I... But he, ah, oh god, he's such a nice guy. Yeah, is this this is the same guy that I played against last Friday, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, I had, I had, I, I feel bad. Like this poor guy is just getting bullied by us. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I can't really think of who plays Edge Great Escape who's like more cheerful than this guy to play against, like on a general basis. Yeah, there's he's just such a good sport about it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like, he usually wins. Like to be fair, he's like, no, he, he does, does well, very yeah, he well, does consistently. Well. Yeah. But God, he cannot beat Swans. <laughs> Yeah. Poor guy. Uh, I know the feels. Yeah. Uh, I also played against John this past week, which was <laughs> another shit show. Or a, a shit snow, should we say. <laughs> that hit a chord. Uh, God, um, it, it was, was another worst. snow mirror of different sorts. <laughs> yeah, I drew this week against the humans guy we were just talking about and Chris. Yeah. Wow. So, like, John lost game one because he just didn't notice a thing he could do playing the deck for the first time. Yeah. And then what? game what was two, what I was got it? run the fuck over. I'll let let's, John tell the story. Let's tell, okay. let's, all right. And then game three, we had, like, four minutes left. <laughs> so we're just kind of, like, throwing cards on the table. <laughs> and I 1,000% would have killed John that game yeah. if we had, like... One or two more turn cycles? I think a full turn cycle, yeah. Because I had the ability it. to put John to one and I had an active Karanos in play, so... Correct! Yeah. But not enough Both time. Two. Yeah. Alternatively, like, if you hadn't bounced him with a cryptic, you would have lost, just straight up lost we, the game. We played both the... We, we both played that game really, really sloppy because of time, so it's like... Yeah. But the way the game did play out, you were definitely going to win. Yeah. If, it... It was a shit. shit we played shit. a really fast game, though. <laughs> it's really quick. <laughs> I didn't think we'd come anywhere close to someone like actually being close, you know, to killing the other. But it was actually yeah. a lot closer than. 
I mean, in in all honesty, I definitely was not incentivized to play as fast as I did because I knew my deck had literally no chance of ever winning. But I was trying to like, you know, play at a reasonable pace. But uh, I think I yeah yeah your deck has way better odds of winning that that game three than mine does. Mine's like almost zero. So. <laughs> and then uh, also throughout the week, I played a little bit of Amulet. Um, so. I came across a card that I, well, I mean, I saw during the spoiler season, and of course, every time a land is ever spoiled, ever, everyone comes to ask me, are you going to play this in Amulet? (laughs) Yeah. To which I have to reply, what the fuck? Of course not, the majority of the time. (laughs) But, on this special occasion, I decided to put a land into my deck from the course of 2020. So you all must be thinking, oh, it's, it's That's where you're wrong, kiddo. <laughs> uh, I've been playing online a Field of the Dead. <laughs> this card. Field of the Dead. Field you of should, the Dead. You should tell people what it does, because I'm sure no one knows what it does. Ooh, we got a reader. <laughs> yeah, so Field of the Dead. How about... How, okay, just so many good, there's so many fun ways to describe this card, but I guess we'll just read what it says, more or less. It says, Field of the Dead enters the battlefield tapped. When Field of the Dead or another land enters the battlefield under your control, if you control seven or, seven or more lands with different names, create a 2-2 black zombie creature token. Does this work with Scapeshift, by the way? Yes. <laughs> oh, shit. So there's actually a standard Scapeshift deck right now that uh, plays this card. Wow. So you just like make a bunch of zombies. But, um... Huh. It's kind of like a Valakut that makes zombies instead of shooting things for three. And instead of needing five mountains, you need... So instead of the sixth mountain dealing damage, the seventh land of a different name (laughs) makes a zombie. However, this this land itself triggers itself to make a a zombie. So it's like if Valakut were a mountain. Kind of. So why are you playing this? Chris will explain. It's sweet. Teach Haven't me. you Teach ever me. sat down and thought, you know, Primal Titan's really cool, but I kind of like Grave Titan too, and just wish there was a way that they <laughs> could just be the same creature? No, but keep, keep going. Say no more. Field of the Dead has um, the answer. Oh, play a Primal Titan. If you play off of five lands, right? Uh-huh. Four, four one land, mana lands and one bounce land, mm-hmm. that's five. You go get Field of the Dead plus some other random land. That's six and seven. As per, like, the Valakut ruling, they see each other as the end of battlefield. Bam! Two zombies. It's like a Grave Titan. <laughs> you attack, you get two two more lands. Bam! Two more zombies. It's Grave Titan. <laughs> but you're still it, getting lands because it's a Primeval Titan. It does this, like, pretty consistently. Like, watching you, it seems like it happens a lot. So... People on the Amulet Discord have been saying, oh, this is a sideboard card. It's just too cute. Even um, Francisco, who's like probably the, the, the most well-known uh, Amulet player, because he says he has tons of content on Amulet. Um, he's like, yeah, the card just win more, doesn't do anything. I don't know, man. I put it in my main deck, and it was sweet. <laughs> uh, but you have to make some alterations to your, to your mana Here it base. Comes. Here it comes. Um, so instead of playing all forests, you have to play some number of 
snow-covered forests because they have different names. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, everyone's playing Stone Lands now. Everyone. I'm also playing 29 lands because the more lands you have, the more names you're going to have, right? <laughs> Alright, I'm done. Also, because this land is like... It's just the 29th land. Um, it doesn't actually do anything in certain matchups. It's kind of like Bog. But having access to it is still nice. But it comes to play tapped and doesn't make colored mana, so it's like not the best land to actually like, you know, cast anything with. So I didn't feel like it was better than any of the other lands in the deck. So I just added it. Gotcha. <laughs> you know you could just play Grave Titan, right? Why would I do that? I mean you could just you could just play Grave Titan. I am. But it also makes two lands. <laughs> Also, Trample is much better than Death Touch on a 6-6, six, six, let me wait, tell you. Wait, wait, if you have enough, if you have enough amulets in play, you could, like, give the Titan haste, but also give Zombies haste, right? Right? I guess. <laughs> I get, yeah. You're not wrong. <laughs> um, I did give a Zombie haste once against a Hogak player, because he couldn't block it, because Gravecrawlers and Bloodgast cannot block. <laughs> <laughs> God, that's a fucking story. All right. Strap in. So, uh, I've played against the Hugak deck twice with Amulet, with this Field of the Dead card in my main deck, and both times I killed my Hugak opponent with a bunch of zombie tokens in play. Because <laughs> they can't block that. Which I just thought was super ironic, right? <laughs> oh, you lost bid from below? Well, look who found all the zombie tokens. One of them was very salty. He was so salty. Oh my god. What did he say? Um, so the game one, he plays Hagak on turn two, as mm -hmm. you do playing the that deck. Mm -hmm. And I type into chat, gross. <laughs> and then As you do. He untap I untap play up second amulet and pass. <clears throat> And he untaps and hits me for 10 and plays another Hagak. <laughs> cool. <laughs> for Vigilant Effect, I guess. Sure. So then I untap and play a Hive Mind and kill him. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, fucking I had to top deck a Pact and then find a Bounce Land off of a Stirrings. Did you? And so. you did. I did, but I did. My Pact came in the form of a Primeval Titan. <laughs> which was fine it still got me there that's right I had I did a 15 mana worth of stuff <laughs> oh, 16 crap. mana worth of stuff that... on turn 3 uh, it's dumb but oh. no worries um, so he types in chat oh wow and look at that I still lost how did that happen brr, brr, brr. <laughs> okay so okay, then turn so 2 hard. rolls like game 2 rolls around and he plays Hagak on turn 2 after attacking me with a Vengevine gross yeah, gross. Um, so I end up play something on turn two. Maybe it was a snake. I don't know. He untaps, attacks me for 15. I go to one. Yeah, say so you're at and, one, right? Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, if I untap and draw a bounce land, I get to hive mind kill him again. <laughs> oh my god. Untap, draw for turn. It's not a bounce land. I I I, I lose. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so close. So then we go into game three, and it's a bit of a slower game. He goes turn one thought sees, turn two thought sees. 
So he takes like uh, my Azusa with the first one, and then he takes my Summoner's Pack with the second one. So I'm left with like two, like a snake or two, and just lands. Just lands. However, one of these lands is Field of the Dead. Uh huh. Continue. So after drawing lands for six consecutive turns, I finally <laughs> started making some like a zombie or two. And he was like doing his you know fetch shock thing with blood gas and whatever, right? Attacking me with his little shitters. This um he hadn't drawn a gak yet. And he finally draws a gak. And I'm at seven, he plays a gak. But he's also at seven because I attacked him with a hasty zombie <laughs> the turn prior. And I have no cards in hand. So I untap, draw my card. And it's a primeval titan. And so I'm sitting there thinking about, okay, how do I go about this turn? So I'm sitting there thinking for maybe like 15, 20 seconds. And he goes, he types in chat, come on, man, don't slow roll me. If you don't have it, just scoop. If you got something, just kill me already. And I look at the, like, the timers. I have 18 minutes left on my clock. He has eight. Wow. And he's upset that I'm, quote, slow rolling him. Wow. So I just type back in chat, I drew a primeval titan. Hold on, I'm thinking. <laughs> Did he skip to that? Because that's funny. No, he didn't. <laughs> uh, I don't think he believed me. But then I played my titan. So what I did was I played the titan, got a bounce land to our west, because I already had the ability to give it haste in play already, because I had drawn, you know, six lanes in a row. So... Play Titan, make two zombies, put T-West in my hand. And he's at eight, so I attack him. And he has to trade his Hagak with my Titan, because none of his other creatures can block. So off of the attack trigger, I go get, um, like, some other land, like two, like two bounce lands or something, or Colony Garden bounce land, I don't know. Get two more zombies, and I pick up my Vesuva. He... Trades, and then I have a land play left. So then I just play my Vesuva copying Padruka Bog, exiling his Gak and the rest of his yard, <laughs> and making a zombie. <laughs> so I made five zombies that turn. Uh, got rid of his Gak, exiled it, and yeah, fast turn back to him. And he's just like, uh, uh shove with my team. I'm like, okay, block a zombie on every creature. With the zombies left over. My turn? Untap, transmit to West? He's like, ah, you know, he, like, he like concedes and then he like salts off and chat a little bit more like, oh, blah, blah, blah. like my, you know, oh, my deck must be so broken, bro, but I still lost, bro. <laughs> wow. <sighs> People are dumb. Yeah, I have not experienced that level of salt. People are really dumb. Quite yet. Holy Usually crap. the saltiest people are the ones in like the free room. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This guy the was in the room just bad. like going off. <laughs> Jeez. And then the next match against the Hugak deck again, I uh He he scooped to me Bajuka bogging him, I think, for the fourth time that game. And I had like five zombies in play. And he just types in chat, this is a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Delicious. So there's your, 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 your daily dose of amulet stories. Uh. <laughs> but in all seriousness, um, this card, what it, what it does 
it's it's a good like stabilizing card. A lot of people think like, oh well, if you get it off your Titan after you attack them with it or whatever, like you're probably winning the game anyway. You could have gotten anything, or you could have gotten TUS instead, or you could have gotten whatever. Like who cares? Like you didn't need it. Sometimes you just need that extra turn. But the thing is, that's not that <sighs> playing a Primal Titan doesn't just win you the game. Right. It does sometimes, but sometimes you're really behind. So against decks like humans or whatever, you know, well, they've been pressuring you and they've, you know, you, maybe you finally found an answer for this stupid meddling mage or whatever. And you just, <laughs> you're just staring down this board of massive creatures. And you're like, wow, I need to not do the big die. And Caldy Garden plus Radiant Fountain or whatever, like Radiant Fountain is not as good as a blocker a reasonably large version of the time. You know, if they have a bunch of bigger creatures. Yeah. So, with this, you can just make make two zombies. At minimum, right? Play Titan, make two zombies. Mm -hmm. And then if you have a land return, three zombies. So that's more bodies. And if your zombies have the ability to potentially even trade, it's so much better, right? If you just put some plants into play, they just, like, shove into you anyway. Well, you have three zombies, you're putting another six power and six toughness into play. You're doubling your titan. Yeah, and it's also kind of like two titans for the price of one, almost, right? Yeah. You get 12 power for six mana. That's, That's pretty, pretty good. good. <laughs> and then every time you play a land for the rest of the game, you just make a 2-2. Two -two. Yeah. Like so, an <laughs> there's multiple times, I even like against like Jund or something, you know, I get a titan, get the, the field, they answer the titan... And I'm like, okay, cool, Azusa, bounce land, bounce land, bounce land, make three zombies every turn, can you beat it? And they can't. <laughs> Wonder why. Like, even if they kill the Azusa, then next turn I just make a zombie every turn, even if I draw nothing else. Yeah. Yeah, they have to have, like, trophy for the field. Yeah, and so they're, like, trying to, what, they have to, like, slog through my endless supply of 2-2 two -two zombies with their creatures before I top deck another titan to kill them with. So I, I I think when you're behind or you really need to stabilize, it's pretty good to have. Also, it helps you grind even more. Because against especially like blue white, there are times blue white they just path all your they can just path all your titans. Yeah, and then you're like, how do I win from here? Yeah, they just have access to more than eight abilities to you know, they have, like, eight ways to path your titans, quote-unquote, with Snapcaster Mages and shit, right? Yeah. And you only have four titans in your deck, so... <laughs> but pathing zombie tokens is not a very, um... reasonable strategy. Yeah. Anyway, enough about a zombie talk for now. Um, what about you, Steven? What you, would you play last week? Uh, so I've been playing Affinity Online. Uh, what? Getting, getting back to my roots. Amulet has been amazing, but I miss my robots. <laughs> that deck, you don't see that deck anymore at all. No, not at all. I was, I was thinking about it the other day. I was like, man, no one, no one playing like ancient grudge and crap, but they used to have to. Right. So, uh, so with the lack of uh, artifact hate, um, I've decided to to dust it off. Um, let's see. 
Any relevant stories? I beat Hogak, which was cool. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe my opponent was playing a little odd, but um, the matchup felt pretty good, especially because they have uh, a huge lack of removal in their main board. Uh, so being able to resolve uh, a Steel Overseer was like, like being able to resolve it consistently on turn two and not have to worry about it dying was just felt so good. And especially having a two welding jars in the deck made it so that pretty often I was like, play Steel Overseer with a welding jar in play. So even if they did have one of the few removal spells in their decks, I was able to to just regenerate it and then they'd have to wait till they see another one. Um, so while they're obviously really fast, I was able to get out of control a lot quicker than they were. And then they were, uh, yeah. So it was like, you know, turn, turn. And there was, an, you know, I, I think I've said this before, but, uh, affinity on affinity online is infinitely better than playing affinity in paper. I believe that it counts for you. Well, <laughs> there's there's a there's a a unique randomness to online that you don't get in paper where like in paper you can have cards stuck together you can have sleeves sticking together you can have you know pockets of lands where they you know you're shuffling your you shuffle your scooped deck and you have like a pocket of lands together that you're shuffling together um whereas online someone needs to shuffle better Sure, yeah, but I, I just mean like that's I don't like know, Steven. I've that's had like, a lot of like no landers in my twenty eight, twenty nine land deck. That's like a, a variance, like a variable that you have to worry about in paper that you don't really see happen online. I'm not saying that online's perfect. I definitely get hands where I'm like, where I'm like, oh, seven cards, no land, mulligan, uh, before land and mulligan, six cards, no land, mulligan, five cards, no land, mulligan, four cards, one land, all two drops. Right. So like that, that happens, but it happens less frequently than it does in paper, which is interesting. Uh, so there's all my hands were just like fire, like, like one land Mox Opal, uh, two other artifacts to turn it on. And then like Steel Overseer or, and, or, uh, Edge Champion, Arcman Ravager. It was just like, insane hand i get to go turn one two drop turn two uh turn turn two other two drop turn three you know three or whatever i have in my hand so very often by turn three and four i would have empty hands with like my board just on fire in a good way uh edge champion is really good against hagak especially when you're blocking vengevine hits multiple times where i was like Oh, I don't think I can survive. Block a Vengevine hit, go to one. Cool, I can survive. I can come back. I can rally. Uh, which I ended up doing. And then uh, being able to cast Rest in Peace on turn one. Obviously, there's like other cards, other hate cards that you can cast on turn one uh, that aren't Rest in Peace. But being that their enchantment removal also spills into artifact removal is super powerful. Where they go, assassin's trophy, your your our, your enchantment, and then you're like, great, I have the window open for my steel overseer. Play steel overseer, and they don't have an answer for it. 
That being said, uh, so I feel it's like a strange spell skite. What was that? So it's a very strange spell skite. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, that being said, I do feel like I was drawing lucky, but um, uh, I do tend to draw luckier online than I do in paper. And maybe that's just like a coincidence. Maybe it's totally random, but I do feel like the randomization of online cards is much better than paper cards. Uh, anyways, what was I saying? Edge Champion, <laughs> Seal of Asir, Arpen Amateur, fucking fire in that deck. Multiple times where I could have... Uh, uh, killed with Infect, and I misplayed and played, you know, the wrong land before playing uh, Inkmoth Nexus. Um, they have a hard time blocking Flyers, which most of my deck is Flyers. And then uh, I also played against Amulet a few times. Uh, the first time um, my opponent went, like, triple Amulet, and I was, like, trying to just kill him, like, before he could play anything. And then... Uh, uh, so after he goes, like, triple amulet, I, I like, do something irrelevant. And he, like, goes Titan, Titan, and then he plays, like, a Blast Zone, I think it was. Ooh. He, like, goes and fetches a Blast Zone for whatever reason. And I'm, like... I, like, in the chat, I'm, like, dude, you know you could just get another... You could just get another. Um, you can just go get all your titans and attack with all eight sixes. He's like, yeah, but you haven't steel overseer, and I don't have know what you have in your hand. And I'm like, have you not played magic before? I'm I'm a very obviously like dark steel citadel steel overseer <laughs> on the board. Like, what am I gonna have in my hand that's gonna kill kill uh, uh, a titan? And so he does that, and I was just like, just letting you know, like, now I know you have a Blast Zone, so now I'm going to play around Blast Zone, where you could have just gotten Titans that I know you have. And then we'd be not having this conversation. <laughs> anyway. Uh, it just it bugged me that he, that he went and gave me information that I didn't need to know. Uh, so then... He, he just needed you to know. Apparently. He needed you to know. You didn't need to know. No, he was just like, nah, you, you're going to know the, the sweet tech that I'm running in this deck. And then he like tried to explain why he... why he flex on him sometimes. Yeah, he tried to explain why he got Blast Zone, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, that's fine. He's like, or I could have done this, this, and this, and this. And I was like, yeah, I know you could have. I, I can see that. Thanks. Like, I appreciate you telling me that you knew how the to The moral win. of today's weekly roundup is chatting with people on Moto is cancer. Basically. Yeah, absolute, absolute cancer. See, that's why I never respond when they say, good luck, have fun. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what an asshole. Wow. I don't want to promote that kind of cancerous behavior. <laughs> uh, uh, have you ever done that? I'm I'm really guilty of this. Is I, I won't notice it, and I'll give them the U2 like three minutes into the game. Oh, I do that all the time. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, like deep ahead. into my hand, and then like, I look to the right, and I'm like, oh. Yeah, you too, man. <laughs> if I haven't noticed it by then, I, I'm not saying it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm bad about that. <laughs> um, other than those matchups, there wasn't like any highlights. I uh, stomped the ground with people who deserve to be stomped and played poorly uh, into my Steel Overseers. 
Man, Steel Over Shear was a real big MVP for me this week. I heard that's a $3 card now. Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty good card. Anyway. Um, and then, uh, what else did I do? That's about it. That's, that's really, really about it. That was my tangents for the day. <laughs> uh, John, what about you? What'd you play this week? Uh, so week before last, I missed FNM, but I made up for it at this last one. Uh, I found, uh, shocker, a sweet pile to play. Uh, I'm sure we haven't heard me talk about playing sweet piles before on this podcast. No, John. John is very meta. Yeah, very meta. Uh, saw this deck on the uh, Modern MTG subreddit. Uh, it spoke to me in a very deep and powerful way. <laughs> it is a four-color snow mid-range deck. Modern snow tie red. That's what the guy called it, which I thought was a pretty pretty top top keck name. <laughs> um, and I like a lot of what's going on with it. Um, so I'm of the opinion that when fair decks get to play more colors safely, they are at their best. Um, and the deck that really kind of shines above all others in my mind for that, at least in recent memory, is Legacy Checkpile before Deathrite Shaman got banned. Um, the deck got to basically dip into a bunch of different colors and even could play Blood Moon out of the sideboard, which was absurd for a deck that only had like, I think like two or three basics in it or something like that. I want to say, do you remember Chris? It was a really low basic count. Check yeah. It was, it was really low. Uh, and they're playing like Blood Moon sometimes in the board. So this deck, yeah, this deck is a core Sultai mid-range deck that splashes red um off of Arkham's Astrolabe and um two actual red lands. Um so I'll run through the deck real quick because I think just going through the list real quick will make it make more sense. Um it's got four Ice Fang Codals, three Snapcaster Mages, two Tarmogoyfs, two Run and Six, a Narset, two Jaces, two Fatal Push, one Lightning Bolt, four Opt, a Spell Pierce, two Assassin's Trophy. Three Dead of Winter, three Force Negation, two Colgon's Command, two Cryptic Command, four Arkham's Astrolife, and 22 lands. And of those lands, uh, seven of them are basic. It plays four Prismatic Vistas as well to help fetch those up. So uh, this deck is um, pretty squarely into four colors. The red splash is actually, you know, it's, uh, what is it, a five card splash in the main deck. Um, and it has fairly decent mana um off of astrolabe um you can basically fetch um you know uh island mountain or island forest in the first few turns play an astrolabe and then have uh pretty decent mana for the rest of the game most of the time um the uh addition of running six to the deck also helps to kind of shore up the mana um lets you keep uh keep all your colors available um and it has a quite good removal engine between Ice Fang Codal and Dead of Winter. Uh, Dead of Winter being three mana as opposed to four, like most sweepers in the format, is very desirable when playing against uh, really fast decks like Mono Red Phoenix or um, Burn or most often humans. 
Um, and with Astrolabe, you can have a um, Astrolabe and, and Codal, you can actually have a Dead of Winter for five on turn three sometimes, um, which is quite powerful. Um, you are. Even Languish on turn three is quite good. Yeah, so. Uh, and that's the, obviously the high end, but um, you're rarely getting a Pyroclasm out of it. It's usually at least Anger of the Gods, and it obviously scales up later into the game to much greater heights. Um, and it leaves behind your Ice Fang Codals, which is very good. So you are able to sweep a board that has gotten a bit beyond Ice Fang Codals' ability to hold down, but you get to retain the Codals for their follow-up plays, which is just extremely powerful. It also um, doesn't take your clock off the board. The biggest issue with the deck is it has a very slow clock. It's, you know, only ways to kill you are Ice Fang Codal, Snap, and Tarmogoyf Beats, but there's only two Goyfs. Uh, and then uh, it has Jace Ultimate and Run-In-6 Ultimate. Um, Run-In-6 in the form of Lightning Bolting and Colgons commanding you a million times with Retrace. Um, so the deck's really slow to kill, and that's its biggest problem. Uh, I ended up going 2-0-2 at FNM with it. Um, I drew against humans and Chris on swans. Uh, the matchup against Chris, our last game was really rushed, but the way it played out, I would have lost. The matchup against humans, I definitely would have won. I was very far ahead. Um, we had an extremely long game one where I just wasn't able to actually close after I stabilized, and um, he didn't scoop until uh, quite late. I think he realized he should have scooped a lot sooner, but um, just you know hadn't played against the deck before, so he kind of was trying to draw out longer than he probably should have. Um, but uh, the deck is just really powerful it grinds insanely well i beat um jund and a uh a white black mid-range deck uh very very grindy decks trying to just go long uh the deck does that excellently um the things i like about the deck too is um some of the issues i've had with um mid-rangey type decks in modern are um, a lot of the times they're vulnerable to blood moon and this deck actually plays two blood moon, blood moon in the sideboard uh, it is a four-color deck that is able to uh, wield Blood Moon quite effectively itself, uh, which is really nice because um, sometimes these mid-range decks themselves um, would like to play Blood Moon against uh, decks like Tron, which are quite bad matchups. So it is resilient to Blood Moon and gets to employ it itself against um, the big mana decks. Uh, it also does not take very much damage off of its mana because it's playing so many basics and you're very much incentivized to fetch basics to turn on your Dead of Winter and Codals. Um, so you're just taking the one damage off fetching a lot of the time and not shocking in lands. Um, and you have access to a very powerful sweeper and uh, very powerful card advantage cards with Kotal and Renin 6 and then the other Planeswalkers, obviously. Um, your Astrolabes are very powerful i've talked i've talked about this uh not on the podcast i don't think but with other people the um the thing about arkham's astrolabe that makes it so gross in popper and and decks like this as well but especially in popper which is really just being kind of rocked by this card right now um is that it gives you basically perfect mana while cantripping so it it doesn't it's air in the deck but it's not a dead card you know later in the game you just cantrip through it um but it's if you want to answer this card, you're going down in card advantage, right? Because if, if you like disenchant their astrolabe or whatever, or you shatter it, or you know, however you try to kill an astrolabe, um, they've already gotten a card off of it. So you're you're putting yourself behind on card advantage to kill an astrolabe, which is just terrible. 
<laughs> so you have to choose to try to sabotage their mana at the cost of going down you know an extra card um which just against a deck like this is kind of a losing proposition when it's already just kind of whacking over the head of really powerful card advantage and taking out astrolabe is not always going to just turn off their mana on its own run in six is also present in the deck fixing the mana um and so uh it's just really hard to actually keep this deck um off of its mana usually if it has mana issues it's because it drew poorly not because anything your opponent did so so i'm wondering if this deck would randomly get hosed by our stupid blood sun deck yeah uh it has a so lot like, of fetches it plays 10 fetches yeah so blood sun just like shits it on the fetches and then baby karn shits on astrolabe yeah no it's interesting because <laughs> i was actually thinking about uh karn baby karn and it's it's funny because uh a lot of the baby uh, karn decks aside from the mono red like prison decks uh you really want to bring blood moon in against them um because it, you know it turns off their big mana plays but they can still cast karn very easily under a blood moon and karn turns off your astrolabe which is like generally necessary to operate under the blood moon so yeah. you're incentivized to bring in this card that like kind of hoses you if they play karn <laughs> which is not the best um so if karn starts running around a lot um in these bigger mana decks blood moon is a little bit more of a liability if uh you can't stop it from resolving um another thing that i'm really pleased by with the deck is it gets to uh leverage assassin's trophy very effectively we haven't seen too many decks playing large numbers of trophies for a while i think the green black mid-range deck was the last deck to really play a lot of them i don't are the newer gentlest playing real numbers of trophy i don't i don't think they are really Not really um so it's got two main I'm deck trophies number, but... yeah it's got two main deck trophies and then uh, another trophy and two abrupt decays on the sideboard and um having catch-all answers like that is really nice um one of the issues you can have with these mid-range and control type decks in modern is obviously drawing the wrong half of your deck uh assassin's trophy is very rarely dead which is nice um so um uh, i've just been really pleased by how well the uh the deck kind of situates itself against a lot of uh a lot of matchups um you know it's not hurting itself too much like uh you know shadow decks uh which were kind of like my favored powerful mid-range type of deck um to play previously um so you're sitting at a comfortable life total you're still getting to leverage the advantages of playing multiple colors and play powerful gold cards um and um yeah i've been i've been really pleased by it um i'm uh excited to play more of it online the problem is running six is just insanely expensive <laughs> it's yeah, uh 181 everywhere. ticks for two of them online right now and 180 dollars in paper like if i hadn't randomly just decided to pick up two before the insane spikes like could you even be playing the deck no i mean i'm borrowing yeah i'm borrowing chris's running sixes because like no one else even has them right yeah they're just absurd so um i am actually considering selling off my uh humans cards that i've been hanging on to for a while and don't play with anymore um because uh i really like this deck uh it's been a while since i've actually found a deck i enjoyed this much and um i play a lot of these kind of uh pile mid-range decks you know, i feel like i'm talking about them every episode and i'm like oh this deck's fun uh this is a deck i actually think is like good um it's doing really powerful things it's doing them consistently it kind of covers its weaknesses um in ways that a lot of these other mid-range decks don't effectively do it's not super reliant on the graveyard either which is something that some of these other mid-range decks fall afoul of i think the biggest issue with the deck is it presents a very very slow clock which can be problematic against um combo and big mana and that's what i'm gonna try to start iterating on uh, i think the first place to start is getting the other two termagoys into the deck somewhere um 
Czech Pile played um, uh, Gurmog Angler uh, as its you know kind of like big beefy threat of choice, and I think it is definitely the better threat. Uh, it's less vulnerable to removal. It's consistently large. Uh, you can sneak it in before the graveyard hate sometimes. Uh, but the problem is, is it's really slow in a deck without cantrips. This deck plays four ops, uh, and the astrolabes don't go to the yard when you cast them. So you're not actually stacking up large amounts of cards into your graveyard, which means you don't really have uh, food to, uh, you know, kind of proactively push out a Gurmog Angler. Um, so unfortunately, I think Tarmogoyf is probably the best uh, best threat. So now I'm trying to decide if I want to go up to four main deck Goyfs, shove two in the board. It's like any kind of creature that you might play does get murdered by your... Your Dead of Winners, yeah, exactly. And there isn't really any good snow creature that's an effective threat. Abominable Tree Folk is like the, the beefiest, but it's a four mana creature, it's bad. So... Yeah, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, maybe more man lands, but I mean, there's two creeping tar pits, but the the mana base doesn't really have space <laughs> for more man lands. Too so. bad savage knuckleblade isn't a card. Savage it's knuckleblade, not a snow creature. Big nux. It should be a snow creature, right? Yeah, but uh, yeah. So that's I think the biggest failing of the deck uh, right now. I'm not exactly sure how to fix it. Um, most of the options that kind of spring to mind are in white. So that's not. I don't really want to pick up a fifth color, and I don't really see swapping one of the colors out for white. Um, losing red, you lose one in six, which is a pretty big pull to the deck. Colgon's command also really important. Um, so I'm gonna keep working on the deck. I mean, being slow is not necessarily a bad thing as long as the meta is not overrun with Tron. Um, well, as long as I mean, as long as the pilot is playing effectively, right? Yeah, like, it's just it's not so so much a time a clock issue as a tur- turns your opponent has to draw cards issue. Right, right. Um, you're giving them a lot of draw steps. Um, but once the walkers come down, you lock things up pretty well. So, um, kind of similar to the uh, rug deck that Chris played um a couple weeks ago, but less dirtily, I guess. You just get to play all the powerful one drops on like that deck. So. I don't know if you can say the team deck's less dirtily. Yeah, maybe that's uh, not the right way to describe it. I um, feel like the team deck definitely had more like threats and ability to close the game. Yeah, dude, just play, just play, you know, just play like a Savage Born Hydra. Ha! I was thinking about maybe um, something like a Goblin Rabble Master in the sideboard, but I, was I, I don't know. Totally gonna recommend that in your main board, honestly. Yeah, no, Dead of Winter just cleans it up too easy. But in matchups where you want to take Dead of Winter out, I think you could maybe bring some heavy hitters in from the board. So, like Savage Born Hydra. I think I'll pass on that one. Clearly, we just need to play Mistcutter Hydra like everyone in the free rooms on Moto does, apparently. Word. Yeah. Man, people in the free Moto rooms really like Mistcutter Hydra, and they get really salty when they lose despite making a big fucking Hydra against your blue red. I deck. think people in the free rooms just hate counter spells. Yeah, they really do. Like, they just they just hate counter spells. The passion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, uh, man. I've never. I didn't even realize people were playing this card in large numbers, and then we just kept running into it over and over. And Kevin's like, "Oh yeah, people always play Miscutter Hydro." I was like, "But why? This card is bad." <laughs> I have a foil Miscutter Hydro. Uh, anyways, um, so that I think kind of wraps up our roundup. Uh, I definitely will be working on the Snow Tie Red deck some more in the future. 
Um, probably going to be talking about that a lot in the in the uh, coming episodes because I don't anticipate leaving this deck behind. I think I am going to try to get into some Red End Sixes somehow, some way, so I can keep playing this. Um, I think I have basically the rest of the deck online at this point. But uh, yeah, the the mythics from Modern Horizons being so expensive, Force of Negation and Red End Six is just absurd. You can rent them. Uh, you can't really. Yeah, I got my rental account finally. Um, a hundred and fifty ticks credit line. Run in six. It's one hundred and eighty for two. Well, there you go. <laughs> and uh, you force of negation. Force of negation is one hundred and twenty for three. So it's uh basically tapped out just picking up forces. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, hopefully they reprint it online. I think is a good place to like. Watsi well, usually throws sh- stuff like this into treasure chests. So fingers crossed. Uh, I remember my entire amulet deck was. Yeah, yeah, just ridiculous. So, <laughs> and the rest of the deck's actually fairly cheap. Um, a couple expensive cards. We we've already got them. So, um, before we get into our topics, uh, we want to give a shout out to a very special listener. <laughs> uh, Chris, do you want to tell the story? Your memory is so much better than mine. Um. Well, this one goes out to you, Folsom Gas Guy. <laughs> uh, so our buddy, our buddy Mike, was. Yeah, uh, was after FM one day, and he said, "Hey, I, you know, I, I met this guy, and he he told me that to tell you guys he loves the cast." I'm like, "Oh, that's cool. Where'd you see him?" He's like, "Oh, he works at a gas station out in Folsom." I was like, "I walked in with my my shirt on," and he's like, "Oh, you play Magic?" Yeah. It's like, "Oh, my my friends do this podcast. You should check him out." Oh, okay, cool. And I, apparently, he, he apparently he went back and uh, he listened to literally every episode we've ever made. That's dope. Yeah, and he's like telling Mike all the time, like, "Oh, tell the guys I like love the podcast." Yeah, so I think that's super cool. Um, shout out to you, dude. Yeah, that's shout awesome. out, Thanks. shout out to you, guy. And he said he said he doesn't get to go out and play modern very often because he's working. So hopefully you get to play some games. Uh, may your may you never run out of gas. <laughs> God, gas, how, gas, how long gas. have you been sitting? How long have you been sitting on that pun? Uh, like five minutes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Since we learned about the gas guy. <laughs> gas, gas, gas. Anyways, uh, shout outs to you, dude. Um, thanks for listening to us. It's cool to hear uh, people out in the uh, world running across the podcast and uh, and enjoying it. And warms our warms our hearts. Yeah. I mean, it's always one thing to like see like, oh, yeah, this many people downloaded the podcast. It's another thing to go out in like the real world and someone who's actually living and breathing tells you they listen to you. It's really weird. But it's cool. It's, it's cool. awesome. It's, it's, yeah, really cool. it's a great feeling. So, and since the uh, kind of a nice segue here, since the catalyst for this was uh, a, a MTG conflict shirt, uh, we talked about it in the last episode, but I just want to uh, reiterate in a little bit more easy to uh, follow form since I wasn't uh, very clear on the last one. We have shirts available on redbubble.com now. The URL is uh, www.redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash MTG conflicts forward slash shop. It'll take you to our shop. Uh, something to know about Redbubble is there are very frequently like 15 to 20% off coupons available. If you just Google for like Redbubble coupon, you can find them very, very easily. First few Google hits. is so expensive. Yeah. The shirts are really good price, but the shipping is quite pricey. Uh, yeah. Slap Maybe a, some of that with the coupon. Just throw the coupon good. on and it's uh, it's pretty pretty affordable. I was like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to design some shirts for myself. Some personal shirts to wear that aren't magic related. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, my shirt came, uh, the quality is really nice. It's soft. Um, it fits really well. 
the printing is pretty good quality. I'm like super pleased. So uh, if you were at all interested in picking up a shirt, uh, if you asked for a shirt in the past, I would really recommend it. Um, I've I've had hands on it. I wore it. It looked good. Uh, I'm probably going to buy some more stuff. We are going to do sweatshirts once the weather cools down a little bit. So keep an eye out for that as well. Um, anything else you guys want to say about that before we move on? Patreon. Please. Patreon. Yes, Patreon. We uh, we like talking to you guys. Um, it's a dollar yes, a month. Living, breathing people, you. Yes. Um, we do like to talk to people. Uh, we bounce ideas off people sometimes. We love feedback. So uh, you can check out the Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash mtgconflux. Um Please feel free to reach out. We're going to be probably using the Patreon uh, down the line to make some more stuff available. Uh, perhaps uh, we talked about playmats. I think that's a good vehicle for uh, getting playmats out to people. And uh, Steven's been working on some life pads. So we'll make those available somehow as well. Uh, they're full color. They look really nice. Um, yeah, they're really nice. Um, but I think... Uh, Seeing as we're almost an hour in, let's get into the meat of our topic. And the meat is that Hagak is still busted. <laughs> busted in half. We didn't really want to spend another week talking about Hagak, but I just don't think it would be... I think it would be disingenuous to, to pretend uh, that Hagak was not a thing. Um, we had, uh, what, four, uh, four Comp Ariel big events posted, published events happen last weekend, and uh, Gak was uh, a force in all of them. Um, yeah, I guess we can kind of start by digging into uh, Mythic Championship 4 Barcelona. I mean, he attack, he attack, but unfortunately, he is back. <laughs> yeah. The Gak menace. Yeah. Despite Watsi's quote unquote best efforts, I swear you guys sit. Remains. You guys sit on these jokes for like two weeks. <laughs> the Empire Gak's back. <laughs> Return of the Gak. Uh, a uh, new Gak. They all work. You're, you're ridiculous. <laughs> the last Gak. <clears throat> One can hope. Attack um, of the Gaks. Yeah, attack. <laughs> Of Revenge the of the Gak. <laughs> the Gak I'm Venice. So done. I am it's, so done. The Gak Venice is quite good. I like that one. That's, I'm so done. Yeah. I mean, the Phantom Gak even works. So why <laughs> why are we playing Plague Engineer? Tell me. Why are we playing Plague Engineer? Why Plague Engineer? Why not spend that one extra mana for Night Whisper? What? Or, because Night Whisper not, not Night Whisper deals sorry. two damage to you and you draw two cards. I'm sorry, not Night Whisper. Uh. You're talking about Souls uh, of Night's uh, Soul Night of Souls Betrayal. Night of Souls Betrayal. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, it a beat for two. One one mana is a big deal. Two naming a creature type means that your guys don't shrink if they're not that. Knight's one sided. Is it? Yeah, oh, that's all yeah. creatures. There's a one sided one, and then there's a two sided one. I forget which one's one sided. Oh, maybe is the one sided one cost five. Yeah, I'm the pretty one sure one. Night of Souls Betrayal yeah, yeah, yeah. is all creatures. Yeah, all you're creatures. right. You're right. Night of Souls Betrayal is everything, and then there's Curse of Death's Curse of Death's Hollow, yeah. which is the one-sided one for yes. five. Yes. Anyways. <laughs> so yeah, if you play it, name human. All of their stupid meddling humans that are one toughness immediately just evaporate as soon as they teach the board. But your goofy boys are unaffected. It's also a death toucher in the mirror. Deals with their Hagaks on blocks. Um, yeah. 
Alright. It's also just a 2-2 beater. Convokes for Hagak. <clears throat> I mean, it's good against humans, as humans is like the only bad matchup Hagak has, so... Got it. Yeah. Understood. Yeah, I don't know. Do you bring it into the mirror? I'm not. I'm not quite sure. I, and maybe. if you if you notice that the Gak deck's playing four mana is kind of a lot to ask sometimes. <clears throat> but if you just name zombies, like yeah, dead. Now dead, your zombies are just dead, bigger than their zombies. Dead kills their zombies. Dead. Yeah, it seems quite good in the mirror. Man, lot left troll finally seeing play. I spec on this card when uh, RTR came out. <sighs> feels bad. It was a bad feels spec. Bad. Feels bad. You still have him? Nope. Long gone. See, you just didn't, you just didn't hold out long enough. Yeah. <laughs> Zach would be ashamed. <laughs> the long gone. <laughs> MTG Finance. Hashtag. Uh, uh, so, so yeah. Hagak. There's just a lot of Hagak. Just so much Hagak. Um, Hagak was at Barcelona the, all the, way the most played deck. Um, most played the, card. Yes, it was uh, most played card. I think was uh, was it Leyline of the Void in the was PT? It? Yes, That's yeah, the PT. Yeah, Leyline of the Void most played card. Hagak most played deck. There were I'm looking at match match results. There were 645 matches played with Hagak so, involved. <laughs> there were twice as many Hagak players at the Mythic Championship as there were any other one deck. So there was like 20, 21% of the field was on Hagak. The next closest was like 10% of the field on Blue Red Phoenix. It was also the best performing deck, I believe. Yeah. So before all you go, but there's only one Hagak deck in the top eight. Obviously, it's not that good. Well, <laughs> a couple of things you have to consider with, with a statement like that. Uh, the Mythic Championship has six rounds of draft. And so if you don't do well a draft, top baiting is very difficult. Turns out, looking at the data, people who played Hagak were not very good at drafting. <laughs> Let's also keep in mind, another factor is that there are people literally playing three copies of Leyline in the Void in their main deck. Well, those are usually other Hagak decks, we're saying. Still, like, what? Hey, man, gotta beat the mirror. If you're playing the best deck, you gotta be ready for the mirror. That is insane. How did yeah, we how get you here? the best deck when you're the best deck? Yeah, so just a quick, quick, uh, to finish visiting that, that bad at draft thing. So the, someone, someone posted a Google Doc. They've got uh, all the Hagak players that had uh, eight plus wins um, in the modern portion. Um, there are... A lot of them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven players had uh, eight, one and one, or eight and two records with Hagak. Um, the best performing out of those in draft were two of them went four and two. And that was Reed Duke and Martin Muller. Martin Muller actually made the top eight. Reed Duke came up short. Um, everyone else was at like three, three or worse. Yeah, one enterprising individual had a two-two in two record, two unintentional draws in draft. <laughs> wow! Yeah, yikes. Bernardo Santos had a really long day. Apparently, I guess uh, he had uh, two IDs, un unintentional IDs in uh, in draft. 
and managed to uh, rack up a eight and two record with Hagak. Anyways, uh, if you look at the modern wins for the people who actually made top eight, uh, the winner was six and three in modern with Tron, uh, and then we had uh, six, uh, six uh, was that six and three in one ID, seven and one with two IDs. Um, this is cumulative IDs. Uh, seven and one with two IDs, eight one and one i mean just very few of the people that actually made top eight had records eight, eight wins there was uh two players one of them was more uh martin moeller on Hagak. so there's only one other player who made top eight who had an eight one and one record in modern and that was uh uh oh i cannot pronounce that Xiang zhang i think is how you pronounce that xiang xiang zhang and my chinese name pronunciation is terrible playing jund um he had quite a good record at eight one and one, and then a four two draft record. Um, but most of the people that uh, made top eight did so on the back of a, a very strong draft record, and then a, a, a pretty good uh, modern record. Um, but there are a lot of Hagak players that just cleaned up in modern, and uh, just couldn't convert in the draft portion. Paul Vitor Dama de Rosa went eight and two with uh, Hagak and two and four in the draft. Kind of says all you need to know right there. <laughs> Uh, I mean, Kentaro Yamamoto, eight and two. Matt Severa went one and five in draft, but eight and two in modern. Like, just yeah, it was a lot of very well performing Hagak players who just choked in the draft portion for whatever reason. Um, so this data, like you know, anytime people start taking big uh, conclusions away from a PT about constructed, be it standard or modern, whatever, um, you really have to temper the understanding. With the knowledge that uh, draft is a very large portion of the tournament and who gets into top eight and who doesn't. And um, in this case, um, it was only one Hagak uh, deck. But if we look at the data for the tournament, um, we can see that Hagak actually had the highest win rate out of any deck in the tournament. It had a 55.9% win rate with the most matches played. I think it had over double the matches played of any other deck. I think uh, not quite. Not quite. Is it Phoenix has a little more than half as many matches, but not by much. <laughs> uh, the next highest performing deck uh, was Urza Sword with a flat 55% win rate over 140 matches instead of 615. Uh, so uh, the Gak decks convincingly had a just shy of 56% win rate. Um, many very polarized matchups. Um, their worst matchup was uh, humans at 44.3%, which is honestly not bad, considering you look at things like Burn versus Tron, where Tron had a 0% win rate. <laughs> so the floor goes much lower. Um, so yeah, uh, Hagak is still around. Uh, it tore up Barcelona, and as we move through some of this other data, uh, that trend continues. Um, so that kind of frames the discussion, but I think it's worth talking about some of the other decks at the Mythic Championship since it's kind of a foregone conclusion that Hagak is the best deck at this point. Looking it's at just, the data, but it's just insane, right? Because like the the Hagak deck is it's no longer a a rogue entity. Leyline of the Void was the most played card in the the Mythic Championship, and the most of the players are on it, and it still had the highest win rate. Yep. Just just uh crushed it. And I guess some naysayers will say, oh well, 
the majority of the ley line of the voids were in the Hagak decks. <laughs> that may be true. But come on, there's more Leyline of the Voids registered than Faithless Lootings. Yeah. E. <sighs> yeah. Ban it! Yeah. Yeah, let's not get into that whole discussion again here, but I think I think it's safe to say that it's uh, things aren't going to work like this moving forward. Um, the other deck that really kind of jumps out, though, is this Urza Sword deck. Um having a close to uh Hagax win rate uh at fifty five percent, only a percent off. Um what less matches played, so the uh factor of confidence is a lot lower on that that percentage. Um but still um uh, we looked at some of the other data for the expanded beyond just the mythic championship but also some of these other um events these pro rel uh, and cop rel events that have been happening lately and uh the numbers look really similar for hagak and urza swords the urza sword deck it's not a flash in the pan uh it also is doing very well and this deck i think has kind of flown a lot more under the radar right yeah i think this deck's quite good um but no one seems to be playing it and i don't really know why my only guess is People who don't own Voxopal just don't bother? Yeah, maybe. But, I don't know. The deck seems good. Um, it has an unfair element where it can combo off with you know, the Top Short combo plus Nerza. Make infinite Topters, infinite mana, infinite life, and then just activate your Urza as many times as you have cards in your deck and play your whole deck. Yeah, having an infinite combo is, uh, is quite powerful. Um, getting to uh, make just a, a pile of thopters, gain a bunch of life, and then go infinite in the process um, seems very good. Do they, have, do they have to untap to actually kill you at that point with infinite mana? Or do they have access to an immediate kill? I know they can just flip the deck over with Urza once they have infinite mana, but um, can they kill you on the spot? I guess they gain infinite life. Yeah, they do gain infinite life. Um... Oh, they have an Aether Grid in their deck, so... Ah, okay. Maybe well, they just, they just slow put deck, right? and painful. Oh, yeah, yeah, They just make infinite Thopters and then grid you to death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just have to or, be able to make red mana, I guess. Well, you I mean... need to make red mana, you just play it off the Urza. Oh, oh, like yeah, it just plays it. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, we were trying to figure out, Steven, if uh, if you could just... uh, in, Without having to let the opponent untap after you went infinite, oh, right, kill them. Right. Okay. And, yeah, it sounds like you don't have to, like, pass the turn. Yeah. Wow. And this, uh... Top eight listed from Barcelona is playing a one of time sieve. Oof. The old combo. Take infinite turns with your Thopters. <laughs> wow, that's a doozy. Um, so we've got a pile of decks here. We've got the uh twenty there was I guess no no player had thirty match points in modern, so no no perfect ten and zero record. Um but we did have um at least 20 players pick up 24 match points or more and let's just kind of scroll through the list real quick uh we've got hagak 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 dredge tron um so tron's been uh doing quite well uh it's been picking back up with the change in the mulgan role and uh it had a pretty good showing at this tournament um there were 135 tron matches played um it only had a, a 49.6% win rate, though, which is kind of interesting. 
Um, it did very poorly against Azorius Control, which was a fairly big portion of the event, and it did terribly against Burn, which wasn't quite as large of a piece of the event. Um, but I know a lot of people were kind of scared about Tron being a breakout into the format again. With the change in the Mulligan rule, um, let's see, how did they do against Hagak? They yeah, had a positive so the, win rate. The Tron deck was like, everyone's kind of scared of it once they announced the London Mulligan. And it did terribly, the London tournament. Yeah, I got crushed by Hagak. Just really got crushed. I mean, you got crushed by everything, really. Yeah. Um, and so I guess the version that a lot of people brought to the uh, Mythic Championship this time uh, was tweaked uh, to have a much better Hagak matchup. And, and so the fact that Hagak actually has to attack to win the game now is a big benefit for Tron. Um, they were quite cold to the milieu out plan of Altar of Dementia before, uh, but now that that's all been removed since Bridge has been banned and Altar's not worth playing anymore, um, Worm Coil Engine gains a lot of stock back. <laughs> um, so uh, Tron has had made fairly good inroads against the Gak deck of posting a positive matchup now, um, and from hearing pro players talk about it on Twitter and other podcasts, it sounds like... Um, people feel pretty reasonable about playing Tron against a GAC, at least this version. Um, so it's interesting to see that. Um, how do you, how do you feel about Tron? I know you just mentioned, uh, it got whomped on at London, but how about, how about now? in in this GAC version two world, uh, well, so it's, it seems reasonable. Uh, Wormcle engine is very good against these kinds of attacky creature decks, right? Um, it's, just insane. Unfortunately, it does trade with the Gak when Gak can come back, so it's not end all be all like it is against, um, say, humans without a reflector mage. Yeah, it does but, buy a ton of time. Yeah, but it buys you time. And having access to a bunch of main deck relic genitus and then four full four leyline of the void and sideboard. Why would you play any number less than that? Um, seems reasonable. Yeah, Bright Tusk pretty decent too. Post board, they're playing three in a lot of the versions. Yeah, I mean, like, O-Stone is nice. You can reset the board and then maybe drop a Nugan the next turn. It Tron has the ability to, like, come back from the, the turn two Gak board states. Because they can have a huge turn three as well. Yeah, and they can exile the Hagak off a of Karn or something. Just yeah. be done with it on the spot. Uh, Ugin exiles too, doesn't it? Or does it just yes. destroy? Ugin also exiles. Yeah, so most of their stuff exiling is pretty nice. Oblivion Stone doesn't, unfortunately, but uh, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, Tron. Uh, it's interesting because um, you know, Tron used to boast a very favorable matchup to Azorius Control, and now it is just getting crushed by Azorius, which I find very interesting. Um, uh, Field of Ruin and all that just really yeah, I think Force turned, of Negation's a big game. Force of Negation, Field of Ruin, and the Planeswalkers just really turned things around. Uh, and Tron is just uh, a dog to Azorius now, which kind of makes me happy. Not gonna lie. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's interesting. Is if the deck if the deck posts a, a, a decent matchup against Tagak, but you know Tron's always been weak to the aggro decks, and if it's losing its its prey in the form of mid range now, that's that's not good. Um, it's still got a favorable matchup against Jund, but uh, losing losing the Azorius control matchup is. Um, is bad for Tron, I feel like, as an archetype. Yeah, um, 
Control used to be almost a buy stack. Yeah. And now it's very much not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think the overall metagame percentage was better than it was at the champs. It was like 28.6% of the champs, 44.4% overall, but I would have said that was like an 80-20 matchup previously. Maybe worse back in the day. Tron just... I mean, with Ivogan, it was a disaster. Tron just really had to shit the bed to not win that matchup. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, speaking of blue-white, next next deck on our list here is blue-white. And um, blue-white was high on a lot of people's lists going into this event. Um, and it didn't do that great. It had a 45.7% win rate, um, boasting positive matchups against Dredge, which is funny because that's another another deck that Wazorius didn't used to be able to beat ever. Um, and a uh, very good matchup against Tron, and uh, a pretty good matchup against uh, the Urza Sword deck, which is something that's, I think, been known for a little while now. These prison decks have a really hard time against Azorius because it's just not really, doesn't really care about ensnaring Bridge which was kind of always their big get against most decks that were focused on attacking. Um, yeah, there's control boasting the lowest win rate of all the most played decks here. Yeah, man, Azorius just gets whomped on by Eldrazi Tron. Uh, it gets crushed by Hagak, it gets crushed by humans, and Jund is just tearing Azorius limb for limb now. Um, the matchup used to be, I think, back in the day pretty close and then both decks have gotten cards and azorius was quite far out ahead um until recently you know got all these new cards jund had gotten Bloodbraid elf uh, but i think azorius had uh probably a better matchup but getting all these new cards run in six seasoned pyromancer uh yada 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 dredge is just or sorry uh, jund is just way better in the matchup now um run in six and uh and Bloodbraid especially, just are really hard for Azorius to beat. I mean, being able to sneak a Ren and Six in before they have a chance to have counter magic, it's yeah. force robust, right? Yeah. Uh, that Ren was just going to take over the game. The Fairy Time Reveler can't even answer it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like Blue-White just doesn't have a good way to, to get a Resolve Walker off the board. Yeah. Their best answer is a post-board Celestial Purge. I mean, I guess like Big Teferi can tuck it, but I mean... Yeah. Yeah, Celestial Purge is really uh, strained in these decks um, these days. Jun just has so many important targets that you want to exile. So... Liliana the Veil is still quite a good card. Liliana the Veil, Season Pyromancer, you don't really want going to the graveyard. Um, run in six, very hard to deal with otherwise. Yeah, just just hard. So uh yeah, blue white uh was you know a really popular choice, but um just didn't really convert. Which is interesting. Um Jund is another deck that uh I know a lot of people are putting their hopes on for this weekend. Jerry Thompson has been really outspoken against Jund previously. Uh he did a podcast episode um right before um the champs, uh talking about why he was playing Jund and why he thought it was a decent deck. Uh it's very favorable. Azorius matchup was part of that. Um, and he was definitely spot on there, 68.2% win rate against Azorius at the champs. Um, Edgar Magahales, uh, your uh, amulet brother-in-arms, defected to Jund as well. Um, a lot of named players uh, deciding to play Jund. And uh, Jund had, a, at the uh, Mythic champs, a positive win rate of 52% overall. 
um it had less of a 50 50 type of matchup that you know you're used to seeing from uh from china they always boasted that 50 50 there's not so much of that here right we got you know um 68.2 against azorius and then immediately down to 22.2 against burn 57 matchup against dredge kind of an evenish one against Eldrazi tron at 52 a 33.9 percent matchup against a gak 70 percent against humans and then some 40 and 30 percents to round things out the deck is much more polarized than it used to be on its matchup spread so one thing i just want to point out is um, especially at this with the championship the top the decks that were performing really well they're not diverse right no they're really not so like all the decks that have what 27 ish match points it's either Hagak, Dredge, Blue Eye, Tron, Humans, Phoenix, Sopter, Urza, or Junt. That's it. There's nothing else interesting going on. There's no one playing like something spicy that got in there. Yeah. <laughs> like even even going down to um twenty one to twenty three match points, the most interesting deck, I guess, is one person on hardened scales. And one burn player made it up there. That's it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a fucking graveyard. Just scrolling through. Yeah. And even in what the top eight, I guess we had one scales player in there, right? Hey, there's a Grishel brand player lurking way down on the twenty-one through twenty-three point list. Yeah, but we don't want to give that person attention. They don't need attention. <laughs> They don't need <laughs> encouragement. I mean, I guess, okay, I take that back. The spiciest deck we have here in the 21-23 list is, probably has to go to Guillaume Waffletapa with Esper Control playing three Kaya's Guile. Oh, I saw that list uh, when the tournament was going on, and I was like, the mad, absolute mad lad. Yeah, four Esper Charms and three Kaya's Guiles with one Kaya's Guile in the sideboard. He played the four, full four copies of both in the 75. Super <laughs> Why? spicy. Yeah, why play blue white when you can play Kaya's Guile and Esper? Exactly. Yeah, he went fucking deep on Kaya's Guile. I, man, I think I've most commonly heard Kaya's Guile referred to as a Colgon's command that doesn't actually do anything. <laughs> I was more high on the card than that, but after playing against it a little bit, like this card is just not threatening. It's just not for three mana. It's just like. Uh yeah, it's just the deck I would like least want to be playing against Kaya's Guile is I guess like either Burn or Death Shadow. Like Sack your Death Shadow, make a one one blocker for the next one. I don't know. Yeah. I mean maybe this is the, the real mad lad, the Valkut player. <laughs> is that where we're at? Is that what we've come to? I mean he's playing the through the breach version instead of all the escape shifts because it's faster. Yeah, three main deck chalices. You were asking what the best chalice deck in the format is. Here you go. You also may- <laughs> playing two Ren and six because why not? You may not like it, but this you is what make, you always want to make land drops in your Valga deck. So <laughs> that's true. This is what peak performance looks like. Seems good, and it's like a removal spell kind of that gets around a chalice on on one. You know, it's yeah. If you want to talk about uh, decks that didn't used to play Ren and six, just randomly shoving it in. At the SCG Open and Classic, um, they each had someone playing the same list. I'm wondering if it's actually just the same deck, like, handed off to someone else. Um, it's a Mono Red Phoenix where they just randomly crammed in, like, two or three Renin 6. 
Like no other green cards. It doesn't make sense at all. Just get some running six in here. Like I don't I don't know what it does for the deck that the deck didn't need, needed, but probably there you probably go. just functioned pretty well in the deck for no reason. I mean, my best guess was it just plus one until it like bolted. <laughs> and it was like, lol, I have like many many lightning bolts. I guess I don't it's know. Not even that good still. Yeah, I, I just don't understand. Like maybe it's just like the deck was already good and they placed anyways, regardless of whether they were playing one in six or not. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it triggers prowess. Yeah, that's true. But uh, yeah, so and not only were the deck li- the you know the decks homogenized, uh, the archetypes kind of are too, right? Like um, we had not only was Hagak doing well, but Dredge was doing well. Yes, at least somewhat well with um, a lot of players. The lists with Hagak were doing better than the ones without. Yeah, and so a lot of people were playing Hagak in Dredge. So you've got kind of um, two, uh, you know, grave graveyard decks, uh, and then Burn and Mono Red Phoenix both seeing somewhat decent amount of play. Um, obviously, you know, kind of similar archetypes. Uh, Eldrazi, Tron, and Tron again, another kind of pair. And then um, I would uh, awkwardly kind of lump humans and Is It Phoenix together as creature-based aggro decks, and jund and azorius together as kind of mid-rangey controlling decks and then urza sword's kind of an outlier but um i feel like there's actually only a few sub it's only a few like overarching archetypes that are seeing play here seems like the format has really coalesced into a, a few broad uh decks and uh that's interesting for this to happen so quickly after everything came out right I'm not sure this is where the format's going to end up, um, but it is interesting to see that this kind of has shaken out a, a number of different events that have occurred recently, where this is kind of like what's coalescing into the top of the meta. Yeah, and for everyone saying that, oh, you know, the Mythic Championship is for a small, inbred meta of pros, well, overall, bigger bands at GPs and stuff look very much the same. Yeah. The top eight at GP Barcelona was Humans, Urza, Thopter Sword, Eldrazi Tron, Jund, Is It Phoenix, Esper Control, Jund, and Hagak. Um, so I guess Esper Control, you know, obviously just a little bit of a spin on blue white, not that distinct of an archetype. Um, so kind of more of the same. Um, they didn't provide very good data for Barcelona, although they did provide uh, a breakdown of day two. Uh, and Barcelona had 16.7% of people were playing Hagak in day two. 11.1% playing Eldrazi Tron, 10.1% on Is It Phoenix, 95 on Humans, uh, 6.5 on Jund, uh, what is it, 5.9 on Blue White, 4.9 on Burn, 3.9 on Tron, 3.6 on Mono Red Phoenix, 3.3 on Urza Sword, 2.3 on Dredge, and then finally a deck we haven't talked about, Titan Shift at 1.6%. Um, so you gotta go way down the list to find... Uh, a new archetype and then other at 20.6 percent of the format still in this case at the uh the magic fest the largest section of decks is other but you do have to remember this is still modern where um many people just play the deck they have and have always played they just play their pet deck yep amulet guy (laughs) top four decks though take up 47.4% 47.4% of the field. So the uh the big four are almost half the field on their own. 
strokes. Um, so it's interesting that, uh, you know, as we kind of drill into this data, it seems like, you know, the trends are being repeated across these events, right? Uh, as we, you know, if we move over here, uh, to, uh, Columbus and we look at the open, uh, Tron won the event, uh, Hagak secured second and third places, Phoenix in fourth, Hagak again in fifth, Tron in sixth, Hagak in seventh, and Grixis Urza in eighth. Um, more of the same, Hagak really kind of starting to show up here in the uh, the top eight rankings. Um, I mean, it was a top eight that was basically, what, Hagak, two Tron decks, and then two other outliers with one each? Yeah. Um, at least there is room in this format for decks that aren't Hagak, I guess, you know, um, there are other options, but, uh, this is with everyone coming packing with just oodles of graveyard hate. Yeah. So Steven, isn't this time for you to show up with affinity and just win every GP? Theoretically. You know, everyone just packing all their ley line in the voids and their relic progenus and no one gives a shit about stony sun. Theoretically, unfortunately. Fortunately, there's a significant amount of crossover, um, not specifically with artifact removal, but just creature removal in general, or like uh, just overall removal. Assassin's Trophy is a really good card. Um, I think I can identify the real issue. How is your Is It Phoenix matchup? Uh, it depends on what I put in my board, but. I would I haven't gotten a chance to play that matchup very a lot at all. At all. How how thrilled are you about Thing in the Ice, Lava Dart, and uh Gutshot? So the thing is if I can resolve a chalice of the void on one, then I don't really have to worry about it. I mean that's out of the board though, right? Right, right, exactly. <clears throat> but out of the main board, I mean, yeah, it's all those cards suck. Pretty yeah. painful. Uh, my only hope is that I'm playing Galvanic Blast, which, spoiler, I'm not. Um, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Yikes. So Podcast too strong. Yeah, man, just like, it feels so powerful to just go, like, turn one, play five cards, draw two more. Deal with it. Gross. <laughs> Where, like, the two cards you draw is like, is like, uh, Cranial Plating and Edge Champion. And you sit there like, oh, this is why I don't play Galvanic Blast. Like, untap, play both of those oh. in the same turn. But it's interesting that but then, people... Do you ever have a thing flip and, like, just completely shove your shit back in your bum hole and you're like, man, I kind of wish I played Galvanic I've Blast? I've never had a thing <laughs> flip on me. Have you played against the guard? <laughs> yeah, I have. I just uh... kill him before the thing flips. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. It seems that seems like the real thing holding a deck like Affinity back is just what I have to imagine is a really terrible is it Phoenix matchup. Yeah. Um but besides that, I feel like people will just start pulling away from that deck anyway. How is your humans matchup? Humans is is just a race. The biggest obstacle being that if you draw Mantis Rider and play Mantis Rider, then it makes my my job my race significantly slower. Yeah, I imagine. Uh, like, Reflector Mage on your, like, payoff card seems really bad, too. It's fine, only because at that point, I probably have two of them on the board. I don't know. The Reflector Mage isn't 
I don't think is as impactful as, uh, let's say, like a Death Shadow deck, right? Where like you can, you yeah, where you have like one type of threat, right? <laughs> so we're like when you reflect your mage, my Seal Overseer, or my Arcbrand Aventure, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna play the other one. Yeah. I just wait a turn, and now you have to now you have to deal with this other threat. Um, the biggest card on that on that deck though is. <laughs> Surprisingly enough, it's a two-card thing. It's Aether Vial and uh, and uh, Phantasmal Image. Huh. Because, fun fact, if you have an Ink Moth Nexus that's a creature, they can Phantasmal Image the Ink Moth, and it becomes an Ink Moth for the rest of the game. <laughs> like, it is, it is now a land. It's, it's now a creature land that turns into a land after the end of the turn. That's very strange. It's a very weird interaction. But because it's a creature in the state where it checks it, it's totally cool. That is very weird. Yeah. And it's awful when you're trying to deal like the like the the final points of infect damage and you only have one ink moth nexus. It's very difficult to get through that. You hope that you just have like an Arcbound Ravenger in place so you can just add a plus one to it and just ha- have them trade. And I'm just really disappointed by the lack of sweet piles in these uh, these deck dumps. I mean, sweet piles just get slapped down by turn two eight eight tramplers. Yeah, I mean the sweetest pile is this this guy the three run in six shoved it into mono red phoenix Zane Zen Zane Syed. He's uh consistently done well on the uh, the tour the SCG tour. He went he got thirteenth in the open with this Gruel Phoenix deck. I don't know. I mean, Starbloom got banned because the turn two Prime of Titan was absurd. Starbloom got banned because people got scared. All right. There's no reason to ban that so, dumb card yet. The Will Smith banning? So, I mean, we can all agree that Primeval Titans on turn two is, is no good. Okay, but Hogak on turn two is fine. But turn two Hogaks? Stupid. Man, I just, is it fine? I just really wanted to keep pushing that fresh, fresh Titan of Bel Air joke, but you guys ignored me. Yeah. Good reason. <laughs> <laughs> for real I win one little GP uh, and what's he got scared <laughs> I'm literally talking about this for like 20 minutes every time it gets brought up it won um, one stupid GP it didn't even make like uh, it made less than 1% of the meta and they were just like oh nope too powerful it's just like Splinter Twin we're gonna ban it everybody's gonna move to Splinter Twin or move to to, to Amulet no, because the ceiling is much higher, which means you're going to have a lot of people who don't know how to play the deck. Anyways, I'm done. You know what was another problem with that deck? It brought out a lot of cheaters. You think so? Oh, yeah. There were a lot of people cheating with that oh, deck. Yeah. Because it's really convoluted and hard to follow, so I think it's it was very easy for people to just kind of do whatever well, the fuck they wanted. There were people cheating with their opening hands, too. Because the, yeah, the nut I mean, draw the guy was so good. Who stacked his nut draw, like, every round. God, he, like... Turned two people for how many rounds in a row before someone caught on? Yeah. It was a it was pretty ridiculous. Like, wow, this guy sure seems to not be playing much magic. <laughs> he's always <laughs> it's wa- like he's always walking around. <laughs> and it's like, why else would you be playing a one of Sibian Spirit Guide in that deck, right? Wait, did he draw it every time? He quote unquote drew it because he was palming his opening oh seven. Oh my god, game. that is what an idiot. Yeah, like 
but I mean, he 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 went like what five rounds like undefeated before like Jan somebody was like, hey, finally caught him on it. Hey, that doesn't seem right. Uh, what yeah. are the odds? Anyways, I'd, I'll always talk. That's so I, I I don't I don't think I mean I don't know. I'm not going to say that's why they they banned summer balloon, but I I do think that um it was one of the easier decks to get away with cheating. You did say the matchup was uh, the mirror match was miserable, so at least you were spared from that. Yeah, but I mean, nobody played the deck. <laughs> I mean, still nobody. I, I, I mean, if it hadn't gotten banned, though. Um, but they didn't have to go ban both my modern decks on the same day. They definitely didn't have to ban Summer. <laughs> yeah, they had to do it to you. <laughs> you know what? You know what like, takes care of Summer. Watsy, I'm blaming. I'm blaming you, Watsy, for having me play fucking Tooth and Nail. At a comp Ariel event. You know what takes care of Summer Bloom? <laughs> you left me no Stubbers. choice. Stubborn denial. Man, you know, I think you have I think you do take the cake for the worst deck played at a comp Ariel event on this podcast. Unless Steven's got some oh. sort of stinker hiding oh, in the closet. Oh yeah. Oh, let me tell you. You you forgot? When I jammed Goyfs into Affinity? Oh Goyfinity! <laughs> Goyfinity! I forgot! <laughs> Back when everyone was just shoving goyf into everything and like maybe it's good shrug it was like, it worked it worked for fucking splitter twin maybe it'll work for this deck shove some goyfs in dude that deck however goyf shift goyfinity goyf shift. dude okay I, I just want to point out the feeling you get when you turn your goyf in from when your opponent looks at your goyf and it's like a zero one and then all of a sudden it's now a five six is like the best feeling on planet Earth when you do it in hey, all man, in I, one turn. I played Rug Prowess. I, I know all about the build a goyf workshop. It's like, it's like, did you ever play Affinity with Collected Company? Oh, I think I tried. <laughs> I think I tried once and I just couldn't find the fourth mana wow. to, to really make that a good deck. Wow. But it was like, shocker. Like, play a goyf, play Arc Avenger, sacrifice my artifact creature, play Thoughtcast. <laughs> Uh, ah. sacrifice my Dark Steel Citadel. And look, this Goyf is real big. And guess what? It also holds a cranium plate. So, did you also play the Liquid Metal Coding so you could modular onto your Drama <laughs> That'd be fantastic. <laughs> I should have. Holy shit. Galaxy Ray. I did play, oh I did God. play, a. You can turn it into an artifact and then sec it to the Ravager? <laughs> oh, and that's right. I also played a uh, Mutagenic Growth as well. Oh, so every time my uh, my Goyf tried to get bolted, I was like, make it a make it a plus two, plus two, whatever it already is. You can't wow. beat it. What a fucking pile. Anyways, sorry. <laughs> Although I, I have not had the worst record at a Combariel event. Definitely not. Is are you making fun I of me? I think that honor belongs to you, John. What? I'm trying to remember. S for dragons. Oh, wait, wait, wait. What was shit. your record? Hold on. Hold that on. was bad. <laughs> that was bad. That was real bad. I think bad. the Tarmo, Tarmo, Tarmofinity deck might beat you. What was your, what was your no, record? I, John was 0 and 10 nope, in never games. mind. <laughs> Affinity still did affinity things every once in a while. <sighs> I was 10 and 0 in games. With the same 75. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that work. was a bad, bad event. I had to go play in the dungeon. Oh yeah, they had like a back room. It was like their like larping like escape room. room or escape, something. It was an escape room. That's right. And they had tables set up in there, and the lighting was extremely poor. And I'm like squinting at my cards. Yeah, it was. 
That was bad. I put against Lance in the dungeon. I paid thirty dollars. So <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe that was your worst deck you played at a comparable event. Oh, um, probably not my worst deck. I've played some did, pretty how, bad how decks. How did we get here? Teamer prowess. I, I, wow. <laughs> hey, hey, I top aided with that deck. You I top aided with us for dragons. <laughs> That's true. Okay, Man, so what a great year of magic for me. That was I top aided with literal ham sandwiches. It was terrific. Ham I had sandwiches. Because everybody was scared of you. <laughs> Man, like <clears throat> I won buys playing. So even my legacy deck was a ham sandwich. I was playing sixty-one card elves. In Legacy, main decking a Leovold. <laughs> with zero blue producing lands other than Cavern of Souls. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many times where I cast a Greenstone Zenith X3 and my opponent just like looks at me weird. Like, what? what the hell is that? <laughs> and I'm pretty sure they had a counter magic and they just like shrug okay, <laughs> resolve and like Leovold and like, oh shit! <laughs> Let's see where this road takes us. <laughs> Dude, that's like that's why you need to listen to the like the just general rule of thumb. If if you don't know what it is, counter it. You should counter, counter it because it. it's gonna do bad bad things. I mean, they know what it is. They're just like, what is he getting? Like like reclamation stage? That doesn't even do anything on this board. Like, I guess you can get something for less than that. But why are you overpaying? Like, oh, I I guess you're just trying to be cute. I don't know. Leave. Oh fuck! Ah uh, shit! <laughs> Here we go again. Yeah. All right. Let me we, let me loop this yeah, back can we in. Get, can we get I, a little I've, closer? I've got, so so speaking of bad decks, I I want to point this out. So I know a guy. He um he qualified for the PT. I don't know, I don't know him personally. He's in a, he's in a chat I'm in online. He qualified for the PT uh, via one of the Moto events that qualify right um so the, for the Mephic Championship. So he he won the Legacy one. Um, Jerry Me. He's like known for uh, playing Sneak and Show, right? And um, I guess he said in the chat, and I didn't believe him at the time, but apparently he was telling the truth. Uh, he didn't really want to play in, in the Mythic Championship all that much. Uh, and he just wanted to take a sweet vacation to Barcelona. Um, and so everyone's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, just play some deck, scrub out, whatever. And lo and behold, on Friday, I'm digging through the deck lists because they have public deck lists for this. Um your main 60 are public knowledge, and then the number of cards in your sideboard is um, not known. I mean, you have, I mean, the number of uh, each individual card in your sideboard is not known. It just displays, you know, one. You might have more than one. Um, so I'm digging through the deck dump, and way at the bottom is this deck labeled Blue White Quest by Jeremy. I'm like, holy shit, what the hell is this? For those of you who don't know what quest we're referring to, oh, we're it's gonna... quest for the Holy Relic. <laughs> let's, let's read that one. Single white mana, enchantment. Whenever you cast a creature spell, you may put a quest counter on quest for the Holy Relic. Remove five quest counters from quest for the Holy Relic and sacrifice that it. right, boys and girls. Five. Five. And sack it. Search your library for an equipment card and put it onto the battlefield and attach it to a creature you control then shuffle your library. Now, for those of you who play Hearthstone, I need to remind you that unlike Hearthstone, quests do not start out in your opening hand in Magic the Gathering. You have to draw them. <laughs> you might be asking yourself, well, what what, what uh, equipment could you possibly want to go get? 
Well, you've got three options. You've got Sword of Fire and Ice, Sword of Light and Shadow, or the main option, Argentum Armor. Argentum Armor. Oh my god. <laughs> I think this card sees play mainly in EDH and probably literally nowhere no, else. No, that was, that was like the combo with Stoneforge Mystic it was before a standard Batterskull. <laughs> was yeah. it? Jesus Christ. This is six mana equipment. It has an equip cost of six so normally 12 mana to get into this. Uh, equipped creature gets plus six, plus six, and has whenever equipped creature attacks, destroy target permanent. Vindicate. Vindicate. <laughs> so when you... Uh, the other question <laughs> is, how are you getting five counters on your quest for the Holy Realm? Oh, can I guess? Can well, I guess? Can I guess? Sure, sure. Memnite, Ornithopter, and the other zero three artifact thing. You're correct, but they're not playing the uh, extra Frixian one. Frixian Walker is not legal in modern. Oh, I didn't. Oh, sorry. I thought this was legacy. Modern. Okay. No, modern. modern. This is modern. This is this is at the Mythic Championship okay. we've been talking o- Ornithopter. about. Overrun. Overrun with Hagak. Ornithopter and and uh, and Memnite. Then they're playing three fairy yes, imposters. But, but there's another part of the combo. Your key part of the combo you're missing. It's Popper All Star, Glint Hawk. Yeah, Glint Hawk. Oh my <laughs> god. Play a Thopter. Play an Ornithopter, play a Glenhawk, pick up your Ornithopter, replay Ornithopter, Wombo, Combo, Wham, Bam, Thank You Ma'am, Hop the Quest, Slap a bunch of Armor on your Flyer, Vindicate, 8-8, What's Up, Get Wrecked. Yeah, Hagak not the only deck making turn 2 8-8s with Evasion. (laughs) This deck... So he was last. I I don't know how he finished. I guess I could look it up on NGG Elo Project in a second here. Um, the last I heard, he was like three and two. He'd beat like Tomoharu Saito in Modern <laughs> with this with this pile. It's playing. It's playing. Uh, three minute Specter and Toolcraft Exemplar Standard All Stars. This guy's my hero. And then for the real Revens, he had the 2-2 split on Thalia, Guardian of Thraven, and Unsettled Mariner. You know, just couldn't figure out what she wanted more. <laughs> you see, this is a bigger meme than the Colossus Hammer deck. <laughs> are, you, are you saying you're unfamiliar with the Colossus Hammer deck? Oh, God. All right, prepare to be educated. Uh, Colossus Hammer is an equipment from M2020. And it gives equipped creature plus 10 plus 10. So, how do you combo this, you may ask? Well, it's very simple. You play turn one, Core Duelist. Uh, and turn two, Sigarda's Aid. Uh, play Colossus Hammer. It shits itself onto the Core uh, Duelist. Bam, 20 you, you're dead, get wrecked. <laughs> also works sure. with Glistener Elf. He... I assumed it so poorly that MTG Elo Project hasn't even added him yet. It hasn't even added like his tournament results. <laughs> I'm pretty sure like named players already have been uploaded, but I guess, yeah, yeah. Like I've been looking at people a whole bunch on Elo Project. Everyone else has their Mythic Championship four results already, but uh, Jerry's are are not posted. <laughs> well, so uh, I don't know. I don't know how he did. <laughs> well, he got that vacation he wanted. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> amazing! What a god! What a fucking god! I'm. I guess that's I'm in an love. interesting question. If you went this deck going to a tournament that you didn't want to do well in, 
What meme pile would you bring? So, Chris, I just realized this deck only costs 73 ticks online. We could play this. I would bring Amulet. <laughs> yeah. But then you have to actually play Magic. Fighting words. With this deck, you just meme on people for five minutes and go get a sandwich. No. Is there, there has... No, I know exactly what deck I would take. Zubaris. Good answer, good answer. 100% Zubaris. Oh, wow, what a fucking deck. Yeah, you want to play Zubaris in the the event where everyone's playing four four sideboard late line at the point? (laughs) What? Oof. Oof, That's a a tall order, Steven. I don't know about that one. I mean, he'd get the the round one uh, feature match for sure. For (laughs) sure. I don't know, man. (laughs) Maybe in a GP. Now, now that Are you telling me if I register five color Zuberos at a GP, you'd think they wouldn't give me the round one feature match? Oh, at a GP? 100%. If they saw it. At a Mythic Championship? Probably not. You know, what yeah, if I just I walked just, up to the judge and was like, hey, I'm playing yeah, Zuberos. Yeah. Keep me in mind for the feature No, match. okay. I've legit <laughs> seen somebody go up to the table and be like, hi, the guy next to me is playing a really weird deck. And the, and the judges kind of like look at him and they're like, what seat are you? And they're like shuffle through the papers. They're like, "Yep, that's going up." <laughs> it's like the seagulls <laughs> from Finding Nemo. <laughs> feature, 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 feature. Uh, wow, we're way off topic. Anyways, this is way better than talking about how terrible Hagak is. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, mean, I don't even have a good answer for my own question. What meme? What meme would what you meme bring? What I play? Something that involves what? Jeskai dragons. Esper dragons. I think Jeskai's better these days. I don't know. That deck, like, has real cards in it. <laughs> like Path to Exile. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. And Scalding I mean, Your card. deck has to have some real cards in it. Zubaris has, like, Aether Vial. Oh, you should just bring the... No, it doesn't. You should bring what the, the hell? Sun. What kind of Zubaris deck are you playing? Does it not? I just, I just, no. it, was a, it was a tribal creature deck. I just assumed it did. It plays Cavern of Souls. Right, there you go. Just play the Blood Sun deck, Chris. <laughs> Wait, John, if you sell your caverns, how are we going to play Zuberas? There you go. Real <laughs> fucking questions here. Oh, man. I think that's a price I'm willing to pay, Chris. No. It is not a price that we are willing to pay. Huh. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> so, Soviet anthem <laughs> intensifies. You know, we have, we have matches of us playing Zuberas on YouTube. I don't think we have any matches of us playing like real decks. Affinity. That's, we have real decks, but we also have Zubaris. But we also have Zubaris. I guess. I guess. I played. We have some humans on. In Affinity. Yeah, I guess. Twice. <sighs> you, it's twice. You can play the Arayo deck. All right. Can we? Can we just? Can we? Go, can we? Can we? Can we? Can we? Can we? Can we? Can we do the thing. Do the do thing. The thing. Play mono blue taking turns. Yeah, but then you're just like trying to be Daniel Wong. Oh man. Okay, worst deck I've ever played in an event. The Sam Black Esper Control deck. The Hidden Stockpile deck. But that wasn't a comp Ariel. No. Could you imagine? You were all about that deck for a minute. I had to fill out a deck registration sheet that said four tooth and nail. It's still not the worst card you've ever registered, though. I think that honor goes to Oath of Nyssa. 
100% facts. <laughs> uh, alright. Um, so, yeah. Pulling this way back under course, um, Columbus, uh, SG Open at Columbus and Classic at Columbus. It's the same story. It's the same decks. There's really nothing special. Uh, there's some brave soldier playing Zoo down in 42nd place at the Open with Hex Drinkers and Mantis Riders and three main deck Voltaic Brawlers. What a god. Craig Delaposta, we will remember you. Uh, but everyone else is just playing the same damn crap that everyone else is playing. <laughs> so, yeah. That's modern right now. Hagax busted. There's a few other uh, solid decks in the running, but none of them are putting up nearly as good of results as Hagak does. We await Watsi's Banhammer. With that in mind, what decks or cards are you guys super excited about playing in the next week? What do you hide for? Well, I'm sure this will come to a surprise, as a surprise to many people. But uh, a card I'm very excited to be playing with uh, in the next couple of weeks is uh, Field of the Dead, <laughs> make some zombies, <laughs> meme on your opponent. <laughs> I'm here for a good time, not a long time. Just get him. Just get him. Hashtag just get him. <laughs> it also gives me an excuse to play my Academy Runes in the main deck again. Because after all, it's a land with a different name. So I'm giving you homework, Chris. Uh, I'm, I'm giving you homework. So you've got, you know, Primeval Titan is the green one. Grave Titan is the black one. Uh, you need to find a adequate name for your Golgari colored uh, Titan. Oh, Golgari Titan. Your Field of the Dead Titan. So some mixture between... Um... Graves and primeval. Graves and lands, yeah. Hmm. Necropolis Titan, not accepted. <laughs> um, yeah, that's your homework. Report back uh, the next episode. Impress us. All right, it's a it's a tough one, but uh, see what we can come up with. In the meantime, uh, what are you what are you gonna be hyped to play, Stephen? Uh, I am going to play some more affinity. Wow. I know, right? Uh, the crowd goes mild. Uh, <laughs> we've gone full circle where, um, <laughs> I just talk about amulet all the goddamn time. And Steven's just going to talk about, affinity. I mean, at least it's better than both of us talking about amulet all the time. That's where you're wrong. Kid. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got anywhere. I'm still talking about mid range. <laughs> Listen, we, we made statements. Yeah, John's not so much a, a, a circle. He's more of a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we made statements at the beginning of this podcast where we explained what kind of magic players we were. John said he liked mid-range. I said I liked affinity. And Chris, he at some point said he liked amulet. I think I said I liked playing tempo, but tempo's just not viable in modern. Sure. And so apparently I've landed on mid-range garbage. There you go. Close enough. Well, greed piles. Greed piles, yes. If I can't play a sleek, sexy tempo deck, I'm going to play the greediest, ugliest fucking pile I can get away Close with. Close enough. <laughs> um, it's only fair. I'm going to be playing with different cards in my sideboard. 
Uh, right now, I'm playing with the uh, four mana artifact from the new set. Somebody can remind me of the name of it. That'd be fantastic. <clears throat> oh, uh, oh, it's the Forge. Like, it's the Frenzy, except for not being Mystic right, Forge. Mystic Forge, yeah, yeah. Uh, that card seems pretty good against the Jund, against the Blue-White, against all the other decks. The only pitfall of it is that it's an artifact. Um, so, I mean... What about Shaper's Sanctuary? Shaper's... I've, I've tried playing with that card. It didn't play out as well as you would think. Um, there was a lot of... A lot of the times the cards you were drawing off of... That you couldn't... You, you didn't benefit from the cards going into your hand, right? So, like... Uh, he has a lot of Yeah, so there was, like, yeah. like, oh, I have two mana available, and I'm going to use one mana to equip... Uh, what about that bad survival? Bad survival. Which one's that one? That's the other green. Evolutionary, Evolutionary leap. leap, yeah. Oh, that one's not awful, but I also think they're, if you're sacrificing a creature, you probably just want to be doing it in a different way. That gets you a better card. Or the same card again. I guess. Or it dumps you into a not good card. Does it just flip it randomly? I thought you had to go pick what you got. No, it, it no, it just like flips, flips from the, from the top. top. Oh, the first yeah. one. That's quite bad. Yeah. Where like <laughs> you flip me. into an ornithopter, you're like, oh, well, huh. great. Yeah, that's that's fucking terrible. <laughs> uh, so so this card is cool and all because you get to you get to be a little more mid rangey with your with your affinity deck. Uh, but the bad side is that it's an artifact. It gets removed by all the other artifact removal cards in the game. Why don't you just play Experimental Frenzy like other people? I've tried. Mind? I didn't like it. There was a lot of huh. times where the cards, the card advantage that I was getting wasn't uh, wasn't good card advantage. The cards that were in my hand were the cards that I wanted to be playing. Well, then isn't this Forge like the same card? <laughs> no, because it doesn't. It, it allows you to play the cards from your hand. True, but if all the cards you're drawing aren't that good, like you set off a frenzy, then it's almost the same thing. No, I'm saying the card did. I agree that it's better. I think it's better. I was saying that the, if you didn't like frenzy, I don't know the why. The cards I was drawing with like frenzy were good. Where I was like putting, you know, I had like ornithopters on top of my library, so I'd cast it, and the card in my hand oh, would so be like just Seal Overseer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the bad stuff that you're flipping, like the bad stuff is free, so you just play it and dig down to the other stuff. I suppose. <clears throat> like oh no i flipped uh i flipped an ornithopter guess i'll just cast it i guess I regardless <laughs> regardless it's this other deck card is much better because i can play cards from my hand is it five mana? Four mana oh it's still four okay uh four colorless mana uh makes sense and then um i also want to try playing a oh oh what, what? sorry don't mean to interrupt you, but um, the the forge is significantly better against uh, your opponent's Grafdigger's Cage. Ha! What does yeah. it say? Yeah, Cage really good against experimental frenzy. Yeah, we found that one Wait, out. What does what does the, what's the text difference? Uh, you can cast uh, cards from your hand. Cage <laughs> says you cannot cast cards from your graveyard or library. Mm -hmm. So technically, all the cards on top of your deck you can't cast with experimental frenzy because of the Grafdigger's Cage, and you can't cast them from your hand because of the experimental frenzy. So you just can't cast spells anymore. Oh. We hard lock someone. That's unfortunate. But with Forge, at least you can play it. Your I mean, hand, it's not a hard lock. It's a soft lock because they could eventually flip enough lands right. off the top because you don't cast lands, you play lands. 
but yeah we played against like the skeletal deck and they played frenzy and yeah <laughs> we just grabbed we caged them was it that deck i, I forget i'm pretty Some sure it was that deck it, wasn't we it caged them and they were really sad <laughs> oh no it was a mono red aggro deck it was like a weird like well, it's like a goblin deck. Kodolfa Rebirth deckers. I don't remember. Anyways, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were playing... Yeah. We caged them, and then they couldn't cast anything, and they were sad. And they didn't have enough lands to sack their frenzy, either. <laughs> uh, the other card that I want to play around with was the card in... Oh, because they ritualed Jesus. into it. Am I going to be able I'm to sorry. Talk? I'm sorry. Yeah, they, rit they ritualed into it. That's why they didn't have enough lands. That was why it was so funny. They cast, like, a, a pyretic ritual into the, the frenzy. <laughs> Okay, go ahead. So, uh, <laughs> uh, the other card I want to play with is the uh, the four mana creature that uh, only untaps when you cast a historic spell. Oh, 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 god! What's that card called? Oh, the scourge. It's like the the really big Traxos. <clears throat> yeah, uh, I tried playing with that card when it first came out, and it was actually really strong. Uh, being able to cast it on like turn three or even sometimes turn two with like Mox Opal, Land Land, and a uh, Springleaf Drum uh, was really, really good. And then just play like untapping it with whatever I drew next or whatever I played next. Um, it felt really, really good. The only downside to it was that sometimes you just draw lands. And that's not good. One of these days, you're just gonna go old school and uh, and just play Juggernaut in your affinity deck. There, so it's <laughs> funny that you mentioned that. Oh no! What? You're gonna play Leveler? No, there's this there's <laughs> this card that I've been wanting to play with for a very long time. I think I've I don't think I've mentioned it here. Uh, Triskelion? No, it's, uh, Scrapyard. No, was it? Scrapyard Scrounger, no. the standard card. Scrap heap. It's the oh, yeah, scrap heap. It's the black. Artifact where you can sacrifice three artifacts and put it into play. Yes. Oh, the the Hulk. Oh. Uh, uh, scrap trar. Scrap. Uh, scrap. Oh, God. Jeez. This was in that weird Greg Hatch deck. Oh, what was it? This was in that Greg Hatch deck that tried to like make a semi-infinite non-determinative combo. Is it? <laughs> this is a great video, by the way. Anyone that ever hasn't, you just look up Greg Hatch deck tech on YouTube, and he's got a few that'll just blow your goddamn mind. <laughs> the guy is like some sort of drug fueled genius. I don't know what he takes, but he's on something, and it's good. Um, oh, give me a second. Uh, Salvage Titan. Salvage Titan. There we go. So if you play Salvage Titan, so there's like this deck right that I have in my head, where if you play Salvage Titan, you play some in. Simeon Spirit Guides, and you play Chandra's... Is it Chandra's? Chandra's Revolution? Dude, I don't know. You're way out there. <laughs> oh yeah, this is, this is like... This deck is like... I've been thinking about this deck off and on for the past like year and a half. Uh, Chandra... Chandra's... Chandra's Revolution. So Chandra's Revolution reads... Uh, Three mana, one red, two... Or no, sorry, four mana, one red, three colorless. Deals four damage... No, this isn't it either. It's the other side of this card. Pia's Revolution. There you go. Pia's Revolution. Oh. Uh, one, three mana, one red. Card. Uh, whenever it's an enchantment, 
Whenever a non-token artifact creatures or artifact is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, return that to your hand unless your opponent has Pia's Revolution deal three damage to them. So there's a deck in my head where you can turn one, basically play Salvage Titan or play infinite amount or or like basically get them to a really low life total. And that's not going to happen. So you're just going to resolve a Salvage Titan and have those artifacts back into play. So your turn one is like Simeon Spirit Guide, land, uh, artifact land, Mox Opal, play Pia's Revolution, sacrifice the three artifacts or and a uh, Memnite, uh, sacrifice three artifacts, and then you you play Salvage Titan. Then the triggers go on the stack. They most likely take nine, and then you're at they're at eleven, and you have a what is it five six seven big guy Salvage Titan. <laughs> You're insane. The shit, the shit that you say. <laughs> so this deck has been like in my brain somewhere for the past like year and a half. I've always wanted to make it happen. And I feel like I'm getting close. <laughs> you feel like you're getting close, huh? Uh, well, put it together, man. Test it out. Let us know. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, anyways, uh, what about you, John? What are you going to be playing? Well, I am uh, still super excited about this four-color snow deck, so uh, yeah, I'm going to play more of that. Word. <laughs> I'm going to try to uh, get hooked up with some run-in sixes uh, of my own so I can keep playing it and not mooch off Chris, because I'm sure he has other sweet run-in six piles that he would like to play. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what I'm into. Just uh, more of that. More greed. Greed is good. Greed is great. <laughs> Greed is great. Uh, anything else you guys want to talk about? Or are we going to wrap it up? Let's wrap this up. Oh, uh, Patreon. Right. Yeah, please. Come come hang out. We want it. Yeah. Yeah. Come chat with us. Say hi. Um, so thank you for checking us out and sticking around to the very end. If you're wondering where you can find more of our content, you can head on over to mtgconflux.com. Uh, like Stephen just said, you can support us and join the MTG Conflicts community at patreon.com slash mtgconflicts. You can also buy one of our shirts at redbubble.com. Um, we mentioned our shop earlier. It's at redbubble.com slash people slash mtgconflicts slash shop. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube under the same name. If you have any suggestions or comments you'd like us to read, please feel free to shoot us a message on one of those platforms. Again, we really do appreciate you sticking around, and we hope you'll join us in the next one. Later. You can also buy stickers at Redbubble. Yep, stickers, stickers, stickers. Bye. <laughs>